At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care, and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's not about the corner office. It's not about the fancy title. It's not even about the extra money. Responsible leadership is about taking care of those who choose to follow you, and that care takes on many forms. This podcast is dedicated to bringing you the best guests with the best advice to help you succeed in that endeavor. The Responsible Leadership Podcast is a production of The Leadership Phalanx. To find out more about me and what I do, visit leadershipphalanx.com. That's leadership, P-H-A-L-A-N-X dot com. And now, on to today's show. All right, listeners, hello and welcome to another outstanding episode of the Responsible Leadership Podcast. I've got a great guest for you today, Mark Myers. Mark, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Earl. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. I cannot wait to have this discussion. And uh, listeners, what I want you to know about Mark before we get going here is uh, Mark is a Marine Corps veteran. Uh, so, Urah Semper Fi. Um, and he is founder and CEO of Peak Profit Solutions. Mark helps individuals reduce or eliminate tax without replacing their CPAs or financial investment advisors. You know, that's this is a topic that we've not really talked about a lot on this show. Um, and as Mark and I were, uh, were talking before the, the show got going, I was a little on the fence, uh, about having him as a guest, but then I got to thinking about, you know, this is something that is a part of responsible leadership. And I'm really excited, uh, to hear with all of that and your background and our shared experiences, uh, when you kind of marry those two worlds and you hear the term responsible leadership, what does that mean to you? Earl, great question. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna use the uh, the old Marine Corps answer, being that we both have a simplified background. Thank you for your service, sir. Yes, sir. Um, you know, I think mission accomplishment is always going to be the first goal. You know, how do we accomplish this mission? Um, but most importantly, troop welfare, without uh, reducing or neglecting the troops. So I think that's really responsible leadership. Always focusing and staying aligned with accomplishing that mission, but all along the way, you never, never uh, do anything that would essentially uh, reduce the quality of the troop welfare. Mm. Yeah, no, I like that. I like that a lot. And, and it's, you know, it's, 
It's something I think every business owner struggles with is riding that line of, of the, the mission accomplishment and troop welfare. And for those of you who don't have a Marine Corps background, those are kind of our primary missions, our, our mission accomplishment and troop welfare. And, and uh, you know, I'm sure, uh, Mark, you can elaborate on this a little bit here, but, you know, the, the secret is you have to do both of those things at the same time, right? Absolutely. It's a, it's a constant and never ending balance. Um, but that, that balance needs to ebb and flow and it shouldn't get too one sided. You know, you don't want that, uh, seesaw approach. You don't want to have one person high up in the clouds and the other person sitting on the ground. (laughs) You got to keep it a little more balanced than that. So with all that in mind, you know, uh, you, you talk heavily about tax and tax preparation, um, but I think maybe the, one of the first questions that most listeners are asking themselves right now is, is this for me? Is this something I need to worry about? So I guess who, who needs to really pay attention to this, uh, to their tax burden? Uh, Errol, I think, uh, I think everyone should. And the reason for that is because, you know, there's a responsibility to yourself, to your family, and to your business to keep as much profit as possible. And, you know, a lot of us out there, we think that, you know, we just have to pay the retail rate when it comes to taxes. But when you think about anything in life, nobody likes to pay retail. You go out shopping, you, you know, you go online and you're looking to purchase, uh, whether it be a tangible asset or some kind of a service, you're always looking for that discount. And most companies will offer some sort of uh, a discount or an incentive. Well, there's no difference. Uh, the IRS, there's 70,000 pages of code. 20 Every year, 20 plus of the top 500, Fortune 500 companies, that they pay zero tax, yet they have billions of dollars of profit. So you wonder why is that occurring? Well, they're utilizing the, the coupons, the discounts, the incentives that the IRS provides, but of course, they're not going to put them in a, a daily shopper. It's not something that you can look for and just grab uh, and that everyone can use these incentives and coupons are buried in the code, um, but they're there. So I think that it's uh, a, a huge uh, irresponsibility not to make sure that you're expanding your knowledge. And it, again, you can't do everything yourself. This is where you you go outside of your CPA, you go outside of your financial advisor, because they're good at what they do. And then you go to, go to individuals uh, that understand that there are a lot of different ways to increase efficiency for in your business and also to reduce your tax burden. And what does that mean? Well, the more profit that you can keep in your coffers, the more you can put back into your business. And that means mission accomplishment can be uh, accelerated. And of course, you can take some of those additional resources and increase troop welfare. Yeah, no, I mean, that makes sense. But like, you know, um, I guess uh, the Next question is like, who, right? Is this for everybody? Like if I'm doing a 1040 EZ form, can I reduce my, uh, my tax liability? Absolutely. You know, we, I can work with a business owner, an independent contractor, or even a high income earning W2. So really, and let's go outside of that box. We're talking about earned income. So when we're talking about earned income for an executive of a company, uh, an owner of a business, or maybe just a high income earning contractor that just gets out there and, and, and really provo- provides a, a great service and gets paid independently by a, a number of different clients. Um, switch gears and let's talk about someone that uh, has an appreciated asset. They purchase something, 
where it was given to them years and years ago, and now they're selling it because the time is right. Well, they're looking. A lot of times, you're looking at a huge gain, which is long-term capital gains. And you know, in a state like Florida or Nevada or Washington, you're still looking at 23.8 percent. But if you're in California or New York, et cetera, you could be looking at as high as 35, 37 percent. So really, anyone, uh, W-2 earner business owner, independent contractor, or someone selling an appreciated asset, those are all individuals that can take advantage of the efficiencies that the tax code offers and reduce their taxation legally. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting, you know, because, and I bet you run into this all the time, but, you know, until having this conversation, I'll admit I'm in this crowd of, you know, hey, I go on TurboTax, I fill out my taxes, whatever the little magic box says I owe is what I owe, and I move on. But uh, it really sounds like we, we need to be thinking about this a whole lot deeper, huh? Absolutely. I mean, I think, again, going back to that responsibility component, when you think about life's expenses, well, taxes for many, particularly as you increase your income, your business grows, your revenues grows, your income grows. Taxes becomes quite quickly one of the most uh, egregious <laughs> and also largest expenses. So, uh, in, when you're looking at running your house or running your you know your household or your business, you're always looking at how can we cut expenses. Well, taxes is one of those expenses that's never ending every single year, and it's one of those expenses that can grow to be one of your largest. And if you're not focusing on how we reduce that expense, then you're not really um, helping your business grow, right? Because business owners always should look at, we need to increase revenue and we need to reduce expenses. They forget that the tax expense is a huge expense that, you know, 20, 30, 40, sometimes 50%, if you can reduce that, oh, it's a game changer. Yeah. No, again, it makes perfectly good sense. And it's, it's, again, it's setting right there. Uh, it's sitting right there in front of your face and you have to do it every year. So why not? So let, let's get into that a little bit. So like, what are some of the ways, you know, cause I think most people when they sit back and they hear, you mentioned the fortune 500 companies and, you know, everybody talks about Amazon paying zero, uh, in taxes and they get kind of upset and they think there's gotta be some illegal way that this is going on. Uh, but what are some of these, you know, above board ways that, that people can reduce their tax liability? Yeah, great question. I mean, there's, I tell you what, with 70,000 pages of code, Earl, there's um, quite a number of ways, but I'll give you maybe an example that people can understand and um, and a lot of people can utilize this solution. So back in the 70s, um, and if, if anybody's a golfer out there, you probably appreciate this. There's a, there's a tournament every year uh, in a little town called Augusta, Georgia, and in that little town, somebody t- walks away with a green jacket. And they're a very uh, highly profile, you know, professional golf tournament called the Masters. Well, because it's a smaller town and because it attracts so many people across the world to attend, you know, a few decades ago, people realized that they could actually, you know, leave town for those three, four, five days and rent their home to someone and make quite a bit of money because people were willing to pay quite a bit of dollars to have uh, to stay somewhere close and in a home environment. Well, that was all fine and dandy. And then those same individuals actually lobbied with Senate and Congress and said, hey, you know, a lot of people that own income properties, they get a whole bunch of write-offs 
and you know we're renting our home. This is not a write-off. It's not an income property. It's our personal property. So they basically lobbied for them not having to pay taxes on the income they earned by renting their primary residence. And the rule was so long it was so long as it wasn't for over a certain amount of days, so the property would never be deemed an income property. Fast forward 40 years later, well, when you're looking at tax efficiency, you know, you're looking at following the code, black and white, not gray. And there might be um, some engineering that's applied that makes sense. Well, the engineering applied here is, well, maybe some people don't want to, don't live in Augusta and they don't want to rent their house to a, out to a stranger for any number of days just to get a tax benefit. Well, interestingly enough, if you own a company, a properly structured LLC or an S Corp or a C Corp or a partnership, you can actually, that is an entity, that's a person. So if you're, ha if you want to have a business or excuse me, have a meeting in your primary residence and you want to rent that primary residence to a, another person, the entity, your business, what has every right to do that? And that income is not taxable based off of the section code that applies. And you could actually have a, a business meeting. It doesn't say that you have to have a huge soiree. You can have one person, two people, three people, or if you do own a business and you do need to have meetings with your team or with individuals outside of your team, third parties, that you want to do that in your home. Well, guess what? You can, you can rent your home and the rent that you can charge is applicable to the square footage of the home. It can actually be uh, quite sizable depending on where you live. If you live in Santa Monica, California, renting your home uh, is significantly higher than uh, maybe if you live in a small town in Tennessee. <laughs> but it's still uh, neither here nor there. Uh, you're going to have meetings to run your business regardless. If you have those meetings in your home, you can rent the entire home to your business. And 100% of that income that goes from your business to your personal is not taxable. And that's just one little layer, one little coupon, one little discount that you can apply out of you know hundreds that can really reduce your taxes. And just Nate, you don't have an expense of that. So outside of whatever hors d'oeuvres or drinks or whatever you, lunch you serve to the people that came over for the meeting, outside of that, there's no real expense, right? You're already paying your home expenses. That's part of your personal. So when you rent that uh, home to your business, you're actually gonna be able to take decent amount of income tax-free from that every and that's every single year hmm. no that, that that's interesting and like you said those are those are just the things that you know uh turbo tax never asks you that question does it <laughs> no there's no augusta rule box in turbo tax uh, but it's a quite uh it's quite a handy efficiency and there's uh you know it's been around for years and years and years and again, it originated because people realized that they could rent their house to someone else and for quite a bit more than than what they could go take a vacation for. And, and the same rule applies. Hey, if you can rent your home um, to have a business meeting and you can actually have an arbitrage because the rent value is significantly more than, you know, your mortgage, um, then it makes sense. How many times can I do that per year? How many meetings do I need to have? And that's really where your the black and white goes in. You know, how do you get these comparables? How do you know how much to charge? How many days do you do it? How do you track it? Uh, what kind of meeting does it need to be? These are all the things that, you know, when you're working with the right professional, they'll help you navigate those things. I'll tell you, Amazon. You mentioned Earl Amazon. You know, zero in tax. Well, I can tell you they have more than just a 
CPA helping them. If they had one CPA, if, if Bezos had a CPA and an advisor helping him, he'd be in a little bit of a pinch. He's got multiple attorneys, multiple accounting uh, professionals, multiple business strategists, multiple financial advisors, all helping him. And I can tell you, without that team, there's no way he could reduce his taxes or Amazon could reduce their taxes. And a, and a small business owner or even a, 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 a person that's got a, a a higher burden, tax burden, they really should be taking the same approach. There's no reason why they shouldn't have one or two or three or four people on their team to handle that uh, important expense. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's a very good point. And, and you know, as we we're talking in the run up there, you know, a lot of my listeners are, um, you know, they're, they're veterans that, that are doing their own thing, you know, that are, you know, doing the shirt companies or selling coffee or whiskey or whatever it is that the uh, the veteran market is is supporting right now, um, but they don't have those resources. They don't have a stable of lawyers and CPAs. Um, you know, what are some good places for for those folks to to turn to to try to find out some of this information? Earl, great question, and and I'll say I'm gonna I'm gonna give a little bit of a self plug here, but I'm not the only one out there that does this. But there's not that many, to believe it or not. But when you think about application of this level of tax code um, most accountants just don't have time and they don't have the licensing they're they're you know they went to school to, to be accountants they essentially understand how to apply the accounting rules and practices that are in place they understand tax code to the level that they need to as an enrolled agent would but you know when it comes to applying uh, the tax code and applying it legally you know, now you're looking at, well, you need an attorney or two or three. And just because you have an attorney doesn't mean that they know how to apply all 70,000 pages. So what I usually, what I recommend is, you know, working with a group that focuses on advanced tax planning and they, they have access to a number of different resources. Because if you go to your CPA and say, hey, I need to learn more about uh, the Augusta rule or I need to learn more about, you know, some additional layers of tax planning that I heard about on a podcast, they're going to say, well, I don't know. You know, they're 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 not going to say they they don't know because they're not a good CPA. They're going to say they don't know because they're not trained, in, and that's not a scope of their practice. The scope of their practice is to really do the A's, B's, C's, one, twos, threes. When it starts getting into the you know QRS, TUV, <laughs> that's where you really need to have additional help. So, for example, my practice was built, you know, really over the last seven or eight years. I mean, I've been doing this for you know, 17 years now. Um, but over the last six or seven years, I realized there's an opportunity out there to help, you know, individuals that have a good CPA, have a good advisor, but they just, when they write that tax check, they're just cringing. They're like, wow, this is in there in a better way. How can I pay this much where other bigger companies are paying significantly less? So when you work with someone like myself or someone else that has this advanced tax planning, it's likely that they're going to have multiple partners like for example I have over a dozen different groups and they do what they do really well but that's all that they do for example I have a group that can relocate profit like um, Microsoft and Apple do you know you know some people realize that Apple have they have companies and divisions of their companies in different countries it doesn't even have to be in a different country there's 176 economic development zones in the United States alone a lot of the major airlines utilize economic development zones to purchase their gas in Illinois, 
and there's they can reduce have a significant tax benefit for purchasing their gas in that economic development zone. So to give you an example, one of the groups I work with can help a medium to small size company actually create resources in an economic development zone. And because they're doing work or division work for their company in that development zone, they can actually take the same benefits that these larger companies take, but they don't have to create the wheel. This group basically did a plug and play and said, hey, we're going to work with hundreds of different medium to small size companies and help them plug and play and do what the larger companies do um, without having to take on that resource. So it's really nice to know when you when you're doing like an analysis with with myself or someone else that's in this space that does this, what they're doing is doing a consulting and and a kind of a more of a in-depth consulting approach analysis approach and they may be bringing in two or three or four or five different resources into the box to help layer in that plan but meanwhile never saying you have to leave your CPA never saying you have to not stop listening to, or not listen to your advisor anymore they're just saying these are the additional layers that would fit into your current puzzle you need this piece, this piece, and this piece. And if we put them together correctly, you're going to save 20, 30, 40%. I've saved people over 70% in taxes before. And again, I, it's not me. It's just me knowing how to apply the code utiliz- utilizing multiple partners that I've vetted and worked with for a number of years. Yeah. Wow. That's impressive. That's impressive. Um, I want to kind of go back a little bit to, to some of the how there, because as you were talking, there was a question that really popped into my head that I see around a lot. Uh, you know, like usually it's contractors or things like that, that, that I see do this, but they'll have, uh, you know, their trucks wrapped with like the company logo and they talk about the tax benefits for that. Um, is that one of those kind of, uh, strategies that you talk about? And if so, can you kind of build on that for anybody who might be considering, you know, cause you did a great job with the Augusta rule. I've never heard of that before. Uh, how does that work? Like a vehicle advertising? Yeah. You know, it's interesting you say that because vehicle advertising, now you're look going into what is that vehicle used for and what percentage of use is it for the business versus personal, uh, do you have a leasing company? Some people set up a separate leasing company. That way, every dollar that is spent on that vehicle goes as a deduction for the business and, again, uh, reduces the, the revenues of the business. But, again, I always like to say, Earl, let's let's focus on on not spending – I mean, if you obviously, if you're going to wrap your car because you want that promotion, fantastic. Do it. I mean, that's obviously going to be a deduction available because it's a business purpose. But a lot of times at the end of the year, some you know the the tax advice that we get uh, is not it's not uncommon to hear a tax professional say, "Is that all the expenses you can find? Uh, do you need anything else for your business? Would you do you need to wrap your car? Do you need to purchase a new vehicle? Do you need more capital?" And maybe business owners think, "Well, well, if I don't spend money on this, then I'm going to have to pay taxes," and they may not need what they're purchasing. So I always say, "Don't spend a dollar." To save 37 cents, and that's if you're at the highest tax bracket at the federal. I mean, some people in you know in higher tax bracket states are save you know 50 cents tax, but I wouldn't spend a dollar to save 50 cents. Who would spend a dollar to save 37 cents, especially if you don't need what you purchased? So I think going on that mindset, Earl, it's I like to focus on these benefits that are out there, like the Augusta rule, or hey, did you know that you can actually structure policies within your company? Let's say if you are working outside of business hours, I mean, what business owner, what independent contractor, what sole proprietor doesn't work outside of 
nine to five business hours. Right. None of them. They all do. They're, they're thinking about their business on Saturdays, Sundays. They're working in the mornings. They're working in the evenings. Like my my stepdad has uh, been a contractor for fifty years in North Carolina, and he's always owned his own business. and And people used to say. Well, you know, you own your own business. You can do whatever you want. You can go vacation on this day. You can. He's like, yeah, you could. You know, you own your own business. You can work any, any twelve hours of the day you want to. <laughs> so, um, the same rule applies. So there's uh, going back to this code. There's another code that says any time that you work outside of normal business hours, you can actually have a meal outside of business hour stipend, which means that you can pay yourself for for food that you ate. Well, interesting enough, the code does not does not allocate the need for a receipt. So if there's no receipt needed, even though you may have eaten a meal, you don't have to actually show the receipt for that meal, meaning that you don't have to actually have an additional expense that you, than you normally would. You just have to keep a log of meals or the times that you worked overtime and had a meal, and you have to allocate a dollar amount to it. And there's a specific dollar amount that if you know the tax code, you can allocate, and it's a... Stipend. So once you take that money from the business to your personal, it actually becomes a non-taxable event because the policy in your business says that you can pay a stipend out. The stipend is not taxable according to the tax code, but yet the tax code doesn't doesn't require any receipts. Just requires a log. <laughs> so now you've got the ability to actually, when you're working overtime, take the stipend. You know, a, a, a allocate the appropriate amount based on based on precedent and how much this stipend can be because you can't be egregious about it, right? You can't take a thousand dollar stipend. Who does that? Who does a thousand dollar, you know, overtime meal, but you know, somebody might do a $50 or $80 meal outside of business hours. Um, absolutely. And how many times can you do that? And how do you track it? So those are the things that I look for because these are things that have no expense yet. They provide you a deduction and of course, if you can move that same dollar from the business to your personal without a tax application, um, then you're looking good. So really looking, I guess where I'm going is reclassifying dollars or finding new pathways of dollars from your business or from your contractor ship to yourself. Because if you can find new pathways that aren't deemed taxable in the code, then you've essentially taken advantage of that coupon or discount that we're looking for, which is allowing you to pay wholesale, not retail. All right. So I don't know if you heard me writing over here, but I, I scratched off, you know, 22 uh, Ram Platinum wrapped with Leadership Phalanx logo and, and wrote in right off more steak. <laughs> That's right. That's absolutely right. <laughs> no. So, but again, like these things are, are very, very interesting. And, and um, you know, uh, I'm glad that, you know, there are resources like you out there that, that folks can turn to. Um and because, yeah, I mean, like nobody, you know, all, all of this stuff is, is the first that I've heard of any of this. So I really have to ask, like, you know, again, we were talking about your background and, and, you know, sharing what we both did in the Marines and, uh, how does somebody go from, uh, from armor, uh, to tax code? <laughs> That's a great question, Earl. I ask myself that sometimes as well. You know, my, my undergraduate work at the university of Florida in my master's program, I went and got my master's degree there, was in exercise physiology and sports management. So interesting enough, people ask, well, how in the world did you get into advanced tax planning? Well, it was interesting. I, um, you know, when I left the Marine Corps, you know, Marine Corps, I was an amphibious tracker. I drove tanks, amphibious tanks. Really the leadership and the mindset was in the discipline 
is what the Marine Corps gave me. Um, God gave me all the other gifts, uh, and I'm blessed to just always want to learn more and know more. That's kind of part of my uh, DNA. And uh, when I went into this industry of running health clubs, because that's what I did, I moved from Florida to New York, and then I lived in LA for almost a dec- uh, two decades, 20 years, and I managed high-end health clubs for the first, say, 10, 15 years of my career. I realized that it was all about driving revenue. I realized it was all about reducing expenses and increasing EBITDA profits. That's that's really what was the name of the game. And even though I had an under uh, an education in the science side, uh, it didn't matter if I was running a, a, a company that was selling shoes or fitness or uh, widgets. It didn't matter. It was all about efficiency and leadership and putting the right operations in place. And once I realized that, I realized I could... I didn't need to be in this industry to do what I really loved. And that's when I transitioned out and I started consulting with business owners because I knew how to speak business owner language after, you know, close to 15 years of running high-end health clubs in large cities. You know, I really owned and operated those clubs, you know, for all intents and purposes. I didn't I didn't own an op- I didn't own them, but I operated them as an owner operator and I was incentivized or I was provided incentive for doing that. So I really understood how business owners thought. I really liked creating more efficiency. And when I started doing this, I realized that, you know, it wasn't just about um, the internal cost of the business. It was about the external cost of the taxes. And I just kind of fell into this. I realized once I learned one or two strategies that were outside of the box, I'm like, well, that there's got to be more. And I really started looking here and there and high and low and under this rock and over there and realized that there's dozens and dozens and dozens of solutions. Um, and I just started putting them together. And now it's uh, when I do consulting with someone that has a tax problem, I'm bringing uh, all of my research to the table and all of the research of the additional groups I work with to the table and I'm plugging in the ones that are appropriate. So it's almost like a switchboard, you know, which, which, uh, which lines do we need to plug in here? And we, let's make sure that they're as clear as possible so you can hear that person uh, clean on the other side. And again, the net result becomes, hey, you get to actually keep a little bit more of what you work really hard for. And that way you can take that dollar and you know, preserve your wealth, leave it in your family, invest it. You can put it back into your business to grow your business, or you can give it to charitable organizations that you love and, and you really know that uh, it's doing something that um, you have something, a special place in your heart for. So I think those are, when you're thinking about the additional dollars that you save, there's so much you can do with it um, and it's up to you. Yeah, no, that's, that's a good, uh, that's a good piece that I hope all the listeners heard there is, is, you know, being able to do, you know, there's the old saying that, that money is the root of all evil, but it, it's actually money's at, at the root of all evil, uh, the way I've always heard it explained is it's a magnifier, right? If you were uh, a non-caring jerk without money, you're just going to be more of a non-caring jerk with money. If you uh, are somebody who loves people and wants to help without money, you're just going to be able to help more with more money. So, uh, you know, don't be afraid to, to do these things. So you can you can magnify and multiply what you can do in the world. Um uh, and, and I guess, you know, kind of going back a little bit and tying a couple of these questions all together, uh, as I mentioned, I've got a lot of listeners on this show who are veterans, veteran entrepreneurs, and, you know, uh, you know, they're doing all the things like, you know, coffee companies and T-shirt companies and all that. Um, are these kind of uh, the, these 
tax breaks, loopholes, coupons, all of these things um, that, that you're talking about here, are these all fairly widely applicable or are there some businesses, some industries that have more than others? Yeah, I, th- I think that uh, they're fairly widely applicable. Um, it's like Augusta rule and some of these uh, fringe benefits that I was speaking of, meals outside of business hours. These are anyone with a business can generally apply those. The question then becomes to what level? And that always has to do, Earl, with you know what is the profitability of the company, right? So when we're tacking taxes, we're always tacking what's left over. So you've got all your revenue, you get all your business expenses, and of course, whatever deductions the uh, your accountant or CPA find that are that are in their wheelhouse, and then you're left over with taxable income, net income, or adjusted gross income, and that's what hits your 1040. So the bigger the 1040, the more adjusted gross income or net taxable income, the more solutions um, I can generally help integrate in. And the reason for that is because some solutions do require a certain amount of capital. Give you an example. So I guess going to your question, uh, if you're a contractor, if you're a sole proprietor, if you're a business owner of an S-Corp, um, even if you're a high income W-2 earner, these things are widely applicable, but to the level of the application uh, is the amount of taxable problem. So there isn't a solution out there. It's I call it charitable giving made profitable. Most people, when, when they give when they give something to charity, they they feel good about it and it, and it does save them in tax. But it, you know it is you know give a dollar to a charitable organization and you, and if you're at a 37 percent tax bracket, then you get to save 37 cents on the dollar. But the guess the charitable organization got the whole dollar. So you're going to give them money anyways, but at least you got to give them a whole dollar and save 37 cents because you didn't have to send that to the federal or state coffers. Well, there are solutions out there where you can actually purchase an asset and give it to a charitable organization that's going to do something really good with it, but you actually get to purchase the asset at a significant discount. So the reason why I say that, Earl, is because in this situation where if you're purchasing an asset and, and you're going to give this to a charitable organization because you want the deduction and you're getting to purchase the asset at a significantly lower amount than the deduction, well, now you have to be in a higher tax bracket. So I guess with that being said, if you're in a tax bracket and you are creeping up into that 35, 37% bracket, at least for the sum of your dollars, right? Because you're, it's a blended rate, right? And your, your bottom dollars are 10% and 12%. And then as you're getting up in that, hey, I'm half a million dollars in taxable income, $750,000 of taxable income, a million dollars of tax. Well, that, those top dollars are taxed at the highest rates. And those are the dollars that we can really help with because if you can buy something for a dollar, give it away and get a $4 deduction for that. Well, if you're at a high if you're at a high tax bracket on those dollars, for example, my California clients, well some of them are at 50% on their highest dollars. Well, if they can buy something for a dollar and get a $2 deduction. Well, at $2 deduction, excuse me, buy it for a dollar and get $4 in deduction. I'm sorry, my math's a little off today. $4 in deduction. Well, if you had a $4 deduction, you get a $2 tax savings, but it only costs you a dollar. So they're like, how many, how much can I purchase? Well, there's a limit, but for every dollar they purchase, they got a $4 deduction, which saved them $2 in taxes. So it's a hundred percent ROI. So going back to that, all these things are applicable, but again, some of them don't apply unless you're at the highest tax brackets, so to speak. So you can do all these things, but they might not apply until you start reaching that third 24% bracket, that 34% bracket, that, excuse me, 35% bracket, that 37% bracket. That's when some of these solutions start to really, uh, really get um, beneficial. 
Very interesting. Very, very, wow. Learning so much here myself. So uh, I got to ask this because, you know, I I think there's no time of year that people just can't wait to to see come around more than than tax day. You know, it's right (laughs) up there with Christmas. Right. And so people may be listening to this and saying, yeah, you know, this sounds great and all that, but good grief. It's just, man, it's, it's, it's terrible enough of a process as it is. Um, what, what does this process look like? You know, uh, somebody wants to come work with you. I'm sold. I'm, wanna, I'm, I'm an entrepreneur. I want to come work with you. Uh, what, what does the process going to look like? Is it going to really make the, the tax uh, process that much more of a pain? Or is it going to kind of ease that process? Earl, that is really a good question. And, and there's a, I could give you a myriad of answers, but I think the best answer would be it depends and I'll expand on that. <laughs> I'll expand on that and that it really depends on how uh, much opportunity is there and how uh, much bandwidth the person wants to put towards it to reduce tax. But I will say this, when I do an analysis with someone, generally it only takes 15 to 20 minutes for me to identify um, a number of different ways to reduce their tax. Then the question then becomes how complex would it be to set it up? And if it's fairly complex, I usually take on a retainer, small retainer, just to help them put it all together. And of course, then I kind of take the temperature. You know, how much additional uh, bandwidth do you have or can you find to put some solutions in place? And is it worth it? Because if you're going to pay 50% less tax, maybe it's worth having an extra hour or two or three uh, per month to integrate into your business. And that doesn't always have to be the person that I'm speaking to. That can be delegated. You know, maybe they have someone internally, uh, a spouse or a, uh, a someone that works in their in their uh, business or a controller if they're a little bit larger business that can integrate some of these additional tasks. But that's where I go. So I'd say in 15 or 20 minutes, I can determine how many different things could essentially uh, be plugged in and what the... Um, a net effect would be. So, you know, we're looking at, you know, 10, 15% savings in taxes. We're looking at a 50% savings in tax. We're looking at maybe more than 50% savings in tax. And then of course, once we go from there, we're looking at how hard is it for you to uh, get these things accomplished. And in all said and done, the more you save, more the more people are willing to do to get it done, <laughs> especially the higher they're, they're making. But I'd say in most cases, once you, it's like riding a bike, you know, sometimes it's a little overwhelming at first for a kid. You know, they got their dad pushing them or their mom pushing them and they're, they don't want to skin their knees and they're scared. And well, no, well, once they start riding that bike, they're like, well, where's the next? I want to pop a wheelie. You know, I want to jump over that jump. It's just, it's no difference. So it's just a, about helping them ride that bike. And I'm there to make it as turnkey as possible for them and the groups that I work with because what they do is make it turnkey. And now you're off riding that bike and you might have thought it was overwhelming the first time you got on it and started pedaling the pedals. But a year or two in, you're saving 20, 30, 40, and these are evergreen. We're talking sometimes they're 50, 60% of taxes savings in evergreen every year. It's not like you have to figure out something new next year. Oh, I have to figure out something else to buy next year. No, this same solution will continue to save them every year they're in business. So it becomes really turnkey. So I think that's where people need to focus is, you know, getting that, getting on the bike, learning how to ride it. And I'm going to build the bike and show you how to ride it. And then once you're riding that bike, it's, it's a beautiful thing, right? Because from that point forward, you're enjoying every pedal stroke because you know that, um, 
it's reducing your taxes and keeping more money in your business pocket or your family's pocket. Yeah, no, that's that's great. That's uh, you know kind of what I was hoping the answer was because it's you know it's a a cost benefits analysis just like everything else, and it seems like uh, you know just uh, hearing you talk here, it seems like there's very few instances where uh, the 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 savings aren't worth uh, the efforts to go through this, right? That's it's exactly true, Earl. And I I will say that you know the highest income earners I've worked with. Um, depending on the type of business, there might be certain things that they can't do that other businesses can. So if I'm bringing to them a few solutions that might, uh, hey, you know, if you do these things, it'll save you $50,000 in tax a year. They're paying seven figures and they're like, well, I don't want to slow down enough to save $50,000 because I just don't want to do those extra four or five things, right? So that's the only situation where it's somebody doesn't want to slow down and save money because, you know, they don't, they feel like if I'm paying seven figures in taxes, I'm not going to do anything different just to save 50,000. You know, and obviously that's a a very red personality, very driver personality. (laughs) If they were an analytical personality, they'd say, well, what $50,000 do for me per year over the next 10 years, if I compound it, well, that could, that could handle all my kids, college tuition, you know, <laughs> right. but it just depends. But I will say that for that, for the most part, uh, you know, there are things that can be done that are very time efficient, that are very impactful. Um, and they will continue to save someone year over year. So it really is, the, it really depends on the, the person I'm speaking to and their, uh, their mindset. Wow. No, this has been a great discussion. I got to reach out to uh, my friends over at interview valet again and and thank them for another great guest and, and kind of pushing me uh, outside of my boundaries of what I normally talk about on this show, because, uh, you know, this is it is. I mean, you've done a great job laying out why it's such an important topic, uh, why it's a great leadership topic, because, you know, the, these are the things that leaders need to be thinking about. Like you just laid out, you know, what could that 50,000 do? Could it help me hire somebody? Could it help me give raises? Could that help me improve this benefit program? Could that, you know, there's a myriad of things that you could use that money for to help improve the well-being of of the folks who are working for you. Uh, So I just, I really love what you've said so far, Uh, but we come up on about 40 minutes or so here, and I'm really kind of curious. I know we hit a lot of stuff, and and I'm sure there's so much more to unpack that uh, we probably didn't even really scratch the surface here, but uh, is there anything that you really want to leave listeners with before we get out of here today? Earl, uh, thanks for that question. I mean, I think I really would want to leave uh, with listeners to say, hey, uh, if you're writing a check and it's painful, um, don't hesitate to go to my site, go to peakprofitsolutions.com, it's plural, peakprofitsolutions, plural, dot com, and just book an appointment. Book a time. We'll, we'll spend 15, 20 minutes together. Literally, within that 15 or 20 minutes, you'll just tell me your story. Tell me about your business. Tell me about your revenues. And in that period of time, we will determine just how much less you can pay and how hard it would be to jump through those hoops. So I would just like to leave that out there to say anyone that is writing a check and it just pains them to write that check, don't hesitate to reach out. We'll have a fun conversation. Even if you decide not to do anything about what your your situation, totally fine. It'll be a, it'll be a, an entertaining conversation for sure. So that's what I'd like to leave people with. It's not to be fearful to take that first step and at least have a conversation to say, what can I do? Mm, I like that. You spurred one more question there. I'm going to ask you before we uh, before we let you go is, um, 
when, like, like when should somebody really be thinking about this? Like, is this something like as you're forming the LLC, you should maybe reach out and, and start off with some of these things in mind? Or is this something again that, you know, maybe you need to get your feet under you a little bit. So you're at a point where you can take advantage of more of these things. Earl, yeah, absolutely. Thank you for that. That's a very important clarifying question. And in a perfect world, we'd say, hey, we're going to, you know, we're going to start a business and we're going to structure this business this way because we know that we're going to have tax efficiency and, and then we're going to build this and we're going to save here. And But, you know, as we know, when we're building a business, it generally doesn't work that way. And, and if I'd love to be able to help people at the very beginning structure, but it just financially speaking and time efficiency doesn't make sense to put a lot of these things in place until they're at a point where they are paying a lot of taxes. So what I would say is and, 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 and just, if you're structured in a way that needs to be changed, that's not a problem. So just think about it. Um, if you're already struck, don't think, oh, should I structure this way or should I structure that way? You know, your general tax preparer or accountant should be able to help you pick the right entity to make sure you're aligned with your uh, your business purpose. But when it comes to, hey, when you're starting to, you know, I'd say when you're starting to stroke checks of $30,000 a year or 40000 or a hundred, you know, 70 or 100 more to the federal and state, that's when you, that's when it makes sense to start doing this higher level planning because there's opportunity. Prior to that, there's not a huge amount of opportunity. And that's probably why you don't see this thing, this uh, wide, widely applied because, you know, again, it takes a certain type of business and certain level of accomplishment to get to where you're writing checks consistently of over thirty or $40,000 a year in taxes. Um, and that's where some of these things really kick in. So hopefully that's a, an, a good answer to your question. Yeah, no, that's perfect. Thank you very much for that. And and again, uh, we'll get the, the link for Peak Profit Solutions uh, in the show notes. So folks, uh, uh, Mark's is going to be a, a link click away so you can reach out and, and uh, see what he can do for you and, and your organization. Uh, Mark, again, thank you for being a fantastic guest on the show. I've, I've said this on here a bunch of times, and I love this quote uh, from Einstein. It says, if you can't explain it simply, you don't understand it well enough. And I think you've done a great job of breaking it down to, you know, uh, uh, for me, you know, a layman when it comes to this, like me, you've done a great job of breaking that down. So I just want to say thank you very much for your time. Thank you for being with me and my listeners. And thank you for being a great guest on the Responsible Leadership Podcast. Hey, thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure and I uh, hope to be back at some point in time. And, and uh, thanks again for having me. Well, all right, folks, there you have it. Another great show about responsible leadership. I really appreciate you listening, and if you have any feedback for me, please reach out at earl at leadershipphalanx.com. That's E-A-R-L at leadership, P-H-A-L-A-N-X.com. Thank you for rating, reviewing, subscribing, and sharing the show so these messages can spread further and make a bigger impact. With that, I look forward to speaking with you again in the next episode. Hey guys, it's Miriam Love here, and I want to share something very special with you. Check out my new release, All In, the Spanish remixes, out now on Electric House Records. And always remember, be love, 
Welcome to Ringside with Ray and Prince. My name is Ray Leonard Jr. Oh, is that the No, that's just my dad. My name is Prince Daniels Jr. Daniels again with a big hole. Touchdown! On this show, we come to humanize athletes, entertainers, business executives. We're going to see what makes them tick. Tuesdays, 10 a.m. Pacific time on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, and wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you there. Peace and power. Electric acid. Electric acid.